0: all right good morning four oaks community church it's friday february 2nd is that correct it is hope you guys are looking forward to the weekend as much as as i am um but we've got unfinished business here as we're making our way through matthew 16. before we get started just a shout out to the crack four oaks production crew for fixing our av issues overnight and getting me in focus. Some of you undoubtedly liked me better when I was out of focus. And quite honestly, I I do too, but here we are. So Matthew 16, we're drawing our study of this passage to a close. Let me read it for us and then we'll wrap things up. Verse one of chapter 16, and the Pharisees and Sadducees came and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy the day, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 or how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you failed to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So we've camped out in this passage and... We've talked about all sorts of things in terms of this teaming up of the Pharisees and Sadducees, um, their like-minded approach uh, to nothing in life except their destruct, the mutually uh, desired destruction of Jesus. We, we, we've seen about this leaven of their teaching that Jesus has warned the disciples about. And now here we want to maybe kind of draw all this together and say what what is the central theme or message that that ties these twelve verses together, and I think this is something we can only come to at the end of a study. So so again, if you think about it, we started on the out. Out, outermost circle we talk about biblical interpretations as as a series of concentric circles starting from bigger going to smaller we started out here with the context right and we worked our way inward as we looked at different parts of the passage and as we unpacked what leaven means and what's the sign of jonah and um you know what is the significance of the differences in Pharisees and Sadducees? These are all questions we've been trying to answer, and now we get to the kernel, the central message or truth. And I would say that that, in a general way, uh, what I see as the central motif or or what have you in this in this passage has to do with sight, spiritual sight, spiritual seeing okay and I think when you in the and, and the way that I come to that is is simply this I want you to notice that in those first four verses um, Jesus puts an emphasis on the fact that while things like the weather patterns are very obvious and anyone can discern them okay by looking at the sky red sky at night sailors of light red sky and and morning sailor take warning but in contrast to that they cannot see interpret perceive the signs of the times they cannot understand um, what Jesus is doing what he's pointing them to who he's testifying to be um, they have no sights okay and so that last line in verse 4 so he left them and departed There is the sense there of like, he's shaking the dust off his robes and he's moving on, right? Um, he's had interaction after interaction after interaction, but the Pharisees have, um, consistently demonstrated an unwillingness and inability to see the spiritual truths that Jesus has been showing them. Okay. So that's number one, number two. What do we see with the disciples? Now, there's no question the disciples are dull. <laughs> they're they're slow on the uptake. They don't get things the first go around. Yet, by the time we get to the end of the passage, what does it tell us in verse 12? Then they understood the, about what Jesus was instructing them. Okay. So look at verse nine. Do you not yet perceive or see or understand? But yet by the time this section is over, they do understand. They do have spiritual sight. They do see. Okay. And and I think these are meant by Matthew to, to draw a stark contrast. Okay. That they who have walked in darkness have now seen a great light. Jesus has come. There's nothing wrong with the testimony of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the light of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with his signs, his miracles. That's not the problem. The problem is on the human side, that we are all born spiritually blind. We are all uh, born into spiritual darkness. Now, that doesn't mean that we are as blind bad as we could possibly be. It just means that in terms of the crux of seeing ourselves for who we truly are and seeing God for who we who he truly is, that we will never not one time, okay, uh, rightly see God in our flesh, okay? Just a couple of passages to, um, to point out. And these will all be familiar. You've heard me mention them before. But for example, let's read Ephesians 2, But Paul says, "By nature, we're not children of light or children of wrath," which means that we are carrying around the passions of our flesh, and we are dead in our trespasses and sins. It doesn't say we're sick. It doesn't say that we, we we're nearsighted or far-sighted. It says that we're it doesn't even say that we're just blind. It says we're actually dead, and because we are dead. We cannot discern spiritual realities, okay? Let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, let's look down, okay, at verse 14 of chapter 2 in 1 Corinthians. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, let's think about this for a second, okay? The natural man or the one without the spirit does not accept the things of the spirit of God. They're foolishness, okay? And we can say that that is the condition of all humanity. He is not able... Okay, It's not that he just won't, it says he's not able, he's not capable, he doesn't have capacity to understand those things that are spiritually discerned, okay? This is what we are getting at when we talk about the heart of spiritual blindness. So we have to ask then, "Well, well, Pastor Paul, how is it that someone gets or receives spiritual sight? There's no more important question than we can ask than that. I want you to flip over um, to John chapter 3. Very familiar passage, right? Nicodemus. This man, verse 2 of chapter 3 in John, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, and no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot See the kingdom of God now that that's interesting. Okay. We oftentimes want to put it in this order. We want to say, well, the the way that someone sees the kingdom of God or enters the kingdom of God is that they are born again. They receive Christ. Well, how is someone to receive Christ if they cannot even discern spiritual things? They're a dead person. It says here not only, you know, if you look down in verse 5, it says he cannot enter the kingdom of God unless he's born again, but it also says he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't perceive the kingdom of God. And so how is it that a blind person receives sight? How is it that the beauty of Jesus is opened up to a sinner's heart? And Jesus tells us in verses 6 and 7, He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Jesus and Paul give us the answer here, right? The only way out of spiritual blindness is that the Spirit of God has to lift the cloud and the darkness from our eyes. This is, this is not something we can do for ourselves. It is something we are wholly, completely, and fully dependent upon God to do, which means this. The most, one of the most important things that we can do um, to counteract spiritual blindness, okay, um, that we see in others, okay, um, that might even be present in ourself, not in a salvific sense, but just in terms of our ability to to know and discern God's word is prayer is is praying that God, you would lift the blinders. God, you would open the eyes of that person's heart. God, please give me a sense of spiritual discernment that is wholly other from myself that is fully and completely supernatural. You see the 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 difference, in the Pharisees and the disciples, okay, is not their eyesight, okay? At this, uh, well, let me put it this way. In their natural places, there's no difference between the two. The only reason, okay, that the disciples see and the Pharisees don't is that Jesus, by his gracious, by his sovereign grace, has lifted the fog from their eyes so that they begin to understand. And because of that, that knowledge, does that not totally change the way we live? Um, the person that we know who doesn't accept Christ, the person who's, whose heart seems to be hardened, our own condition, we call out to God and we say, God, only do what you can do Perform the mercy of your sovereign grace in our life. Regenerate our hearts. Give us and others the ability to see. So I think that's where we end up this week as what I see as the central theme or one of the central themes of this passage. Okay, we'll be back here Monday bright and early to pick it right back up. And what will prove to be maybe one of the most critical passages in all of Matthew Peter's confession at Caesarea Philippi. All right, let's pray. Lord, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves and give us spiritual eyes. Give us discernment. Lord, um, remove the blinders from our dull, darkened, dead hearts and fill us and empower us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask these things in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody.